You're listening to a bonus episode of the Accounting Influencers Podcast, Talent in Accounting, with Rob Brown. This is your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers, and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Accounting Influencers Podcast with me, Rob Brown, and in this talent special bonus episode, we're having a conversation with Jason Stats. Good day to you, sir. Good day. Thanks for having me. Jason, you're not short of an opinion on things that are happening in the accounting world. We did an episode with you just recently where we talked through some of the challenges for the profession and some of the opportunities. Uh, just summarize what gets you excited about being an accountant. Oh, there's so much opportunity. <laughs> You're not feeling the weariness and, and burden that the profession's feeling generally? Well, it's, I mean, it's really hard to say no. So that's what it all comes down to is being able to say no enough to capitalize on the coolest yeses you'll ever get to engage, right? Um, so there's a bunch of things. AI is really exciting. That's going to be a force multiplier for your expertise. Uh, get you out of a lot of the more menial things that are not leveraging your expertise, but just the the kind of the opportunity and how we're we're at the center of so much of what's happening right now. I want to ask you, what are the top three things on the priority list for accounting firm managing partners and owners? And I'm going to give you one of the answers, which is talent. And that's where we're going with this episode. But what else from your conversations would be on that list? Oh, good question. Um, that's how podcasts of- work. So I've got plenty more of them. you've done this before (laughs) one of those big ones needs to be who we are and what we do so um i think you know quote unquote niche is kind of misinterpreted as this binary either we're niched or we're not niched when it's more like a spectrum of specialization so i think i think your job as a firm owner is to progress your firm down that spectrum of specialization to be not everything for everybody, but trend towards being phenomenal for a very specific type of person. I think that's the most compelling way to build a firm. And there is some some inherent risk in getting super, super specific. But uh, I think I, for me, that's the other one I really push on people is, is, do you know who you're for yet? And when you're starting out, you don't, but but you got to find that and keep pushing in that direction. We may drop back onto that. So we've got talent. We've got, let's put that under vision, mission, culture, raison d'etre. Anything else that you feel is on the priority list for owners and managing partners? Tech would be the third. So I think of it through the lens of who are we for externally? Who are we for internally? You got to be the best place to work to be able to track that talent. And then uh, how are you leaning into tech to to facilitate those other two things? Best place to work leads us nicely to employer brand. As well as running this podcast, I work with a few accounting firms and networks to interview their people and tell the stories of why their firm is a great place to work. Because you'll recognize that 99.9% of accounting firms look exactly, accounting firm websites look exactly the same, make the same promises, hold to the same values, same employee value propositions. Talk to us about the difficulties for accounting firms to differentiate from their competition. Or is it quite easy in your eyes? No, it's hard. Um, <clears throat> we talked in the last pod about about two bits of software looking identical. You can stand up landing pages that largely explain the same features, and that's that's where firms are. Is how do you how do you cut through that to find something more meaningful? And again, it's about finding that third door. So I think I think people people have this notion of of knowing, and maybe your firm is a great place to work, and you know that, but none of that matters unless people can see that externally, unless they can somehow get a taste of that. So for, for me, that's the reality of how that comes together is, is getting out there and building relationships 
and, um, you know, going throughout your professional life in a, in a way that's going to kind of be optimized for connections and, and connections of connections like that, how to, how to make that reach as big as you can. Um, but it also, you know, in the same way that you would stand up a, a website that will speak to a specific type of person, it's also totally okay to stand up a website that speaks to a specific type of accountant. I mean, and in the same way externally that you're not going to be great for every type of client, you don't have to try to be great for every type of potential hire. So, so the more specificity you have there and who you're great for, and that's, that should align with the people who are most likely to have success with your firm, the more it's going to resonate with, with the right type of hire, because there's no abundance of people that are poking around all these different sites. You just have to find the messaging that, that is most relevant to that very specific type of person. And I think most firms haven't defined what that specific type of person is yet. Yes, I'd agree with that. I'd go further and say that many firms claim and espouse to have a culture that is perhaps family oriented or we're all one team here. We've all got each other's back. We're all inclusive. Everyone's there for each other. The problem is that when you get multiple firms saying that, it's very hard for a talent candidate to distinguish between those that are claiming it and those that are actually doing it. And the missing piece of the jigsaw is evidence, proof, preferably by video means of those people in the firm saying, hey, this is a great place to work. Why? We've got a terrific culture. Why is it a great culture? Well, people are there for each other. Give me an example of that. And when they can articulate that, it starts to become real and not just a line or feature on a website or an employee value proposition. Would you go along with that? Yeah. I mean, if you can't put your finger on what it is that makes you better then then I think maybe you're not acknowledging the harder question of, of, are you actually better? Um, <clears throat> you know, if you're going to be, if you're going to be a phenomenal place to work for, you know, working moms or new mothers, that sort of thing, um, like speak around, like what about your, your work flexibility and the expectations of your staff makes that a great place to work. And then, like you said, like, what are some real life practical examples of, of folks who had children or, or, or were struggling in the firm they were at raising children and, and came here and had a better experience. Like you, you have to speak to somebody specific. When we look at what makes a good employer brand, what makes it attractive for people to go there, how you articulate that you're a great place to work. Leadership plays its part. To what degree do you model good leadership and bring people through and accelerate their career development. What are your thoughts on what makes a good accounting firm leader, Jason? Because accounting firms are pretty unique places. Well, there's a lot that goes into that. I mean, you, you have to recognize what you are. So I'm more more a visionary, not not a not an integrator type, not the the guy that's gonna make everything happen all the way through. And uh, when I didn't know that, I I didn't know to build the right team around me to enable that. So just like anything else, know thyself. Yeah, know thyself what's what you're going to do well at and what you're not going to do well at i think it's i think there's never been a better time to be a visionary because getting people to come work for you is about you know inspiring them to to get on board with something that isn't inherently sexy like you know it's not like a you know nonprofit that has a very specific vision and when there's tens of thousands of firms that in a roundabout way do the same thing like how do you how do you build a compelling vision around that so i i do think having that visionary uh, role is is important to differentiate yourself and be able to articulate exactly what about what you do is different. But boy, yeah, being a, being a good leader, uh, being being able to inspire people and and knowing how to build the right team around your own abilities. One of the problems that gets leveled at the world from accounting leaders is no matter how good a leader I am, and no matter what a strong employer brand proposition we have, there's just not the talent out there. Where do we lay the blame or the drivers for that? For example. 
could we say that the accounting profession as a whole has an image problem? We know less people are taking accounting degrees. We know less people are coming into the profession. We know more baby boomers are leaving, retiring, dying than are coming in. We know even that talent is leaching out of public accounting and going into fintech and commerce and industry and doing their own thing. So is that something going on with the brand of the profession as a whole, or is it something else? It's a hundred different things. It's all the reasons you listed. It's the fact that people have been telling accountants they're going to be automated out of their jobs for the last 10 years. So who's going to go into accounting when that profession is going to die, right? It's a bunch of things. That being said, even if there is a shortage, say if you look at the, the number of struggling accountants out there, the number of really poor firms to work for out there, the fact that they are all still staffing the work they need to get done and all that, I think it still isn't a huge mountain to climb to differentiate yourself from those firms. So there's still a whole lot of accountants out there. I think the bigger issue is people haven't gotten specific about the type of people they want to attract, who they're good for, and, and ensuring they truly are good for those people. Um, the transition is, the, the power has definitely transitioned from the employer to the employee. A lot of employees are still clinging on to the days of, of them having all the power in that relationship. And that's just not how hiring and managing people works anymore. So there's definitely a shortage in terms of what you have control over today and what you can do about it. You just got to be more clear about who you're great for. And I honestly think you can get by just fine uh, as long as you are specific about that. Talk to us about the great recalibration, the great resignation. I alluded to it in my earlier question, but we do know that people are taking stock and looking at the burden and the overwhelm and those challenging questions where they have to say no to clients and that burdens accountants. That's in play here. And people are saying, hey, is it worth doing? Is it better me doing something else right now? And whether the quiet quitting or just leaving altogether, that's in play, isn't it? And, and it can absolutely run you into the ground. Uh, if you don't have, you know, the support structure and, and all of that to ensure that it doesn't become overwhelming. I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of aspects of, you know, emotional health and, and being more mindful about where your, your team's at and what you're asking from them. You know, your, your client relationship managers are not, are not ensuring that the books, you know, are closed by the 10th of every month. There's a lot more to it than that. So there's, yeah, the, the support structure that you build around a team right now, I think looks different. To, to ensure that everybody has what they need. At the end of the day, you know, I always tell people like, I always ask people, would would you tell your kids to go into accounting? That's <laughs> a good benchmark, yeah. You know, the the bigger picture of, of all the things you could do, is this is this the best thing that you could do? I, the calculation for somebody that's just going into school is different than the calculation is for me, who's already built 15 years of expertise. That's a much more compelling proposition for me when I have that expertise already. The problem usually is I just haven't found the right place to do it yet, the place that aligns with the way that's going to work best for me to do it. We talked in an earlier interview about how difficult accountants find it to say no, not so much to the vendors because they have their own vested interest, but to clients who the accountants have at their heart. But there's another stakeholder here, which is your, your boss, your manager with the workload with the billable hours, with the things that your boss is putting on you for whatever reasons. And it takes a certain amount of backbone and spunk for an accountant to say, hey, no, that's enough. I'm not doing that. And that's not part of my schedule or I'm struggling to cope with what you're putting on me right now. That takes something. It does, yeah. Um, it does, but at a certain point, what's the alternative? You quietly quit and get out and go somewhere else. Yeah, and that's, you know, one thing I really try to highlight is just the really cool firms out there that are doing novel, creative smart things because the last thing that we need is to run people out of the profession because they had a bad manager when you know it wasn't necessarily the the profession that was the problem it was maybe just a really bad manager so 
Yes, that is, that is definitely easier said than done. The more agency, you know, you feel like you have, the more you're going to feel like you have a degree of control. And that could look like, I know what a spot my company's in from a hiring standpoint. And if I ask for this, they're probably going to give it to me. Uh, there's an element of that. There's also just like, you know, engaging with the people like myself that are out there putting out content to have a better understanding of the broader landscape of here's however other firms solve this problem and presenting that to the team to say like, Hey, it feels like we're struggling with this. How about this as a solution? And if they shut you down, that's one thing, but that's also could be a constructive way to help the people on your team. Uh, but hopefully at the end of the day, they're able to see that. I genuinely believe there's a, there's a firm out there for everyone, for the, for the various different ways that people want to work. Um, and oftentimes the, the issue is just is building that network is finding those people. Um, not, not always the industry itself, but just finding the right opportunity for you. I wrote down something earlier. You said uh, getting out there and building relationships, which is all well and good, but that's not what accountants sign up for. They're not really those gregarious networkers. Let's go to the mixes and the events and build our personal brand. I can speak to my own experience. So I had never posted on social media, gone to a conference, gone to a, an industry event, professional organization sort of thing. No, none of that until 2018. That was only five years ago. Um, I hated that stuff. In many ways, I still do. Like I, like I didn't, I wasn't going to Rotary. Like all the little, the little professional organizations, young entrepreneurs. Like, oh my gosh, I most like, people I hate that, Jason. Oh, I couldn't stand that stuff. So, like, I'm, I do think I'm wired like a traditional accountant in that way. But 2018, I went to ZeroCon, and it was like, I don't totally see the value of this, but there's a lot of smart people that go to these, and I would like to see why. You know, I just kind of wanted to understand, like, why are people going there? And I came back from that so inspired, so motivated, honestly, more so just from the people I met and talked with than from the talks and the formal learning stuff. Um, just by getting out there, like I came away from that conference uh, just and I completely reshaped the way I thought about the work that I did. I made a ton of meaningful connections that I still have to this day that have led to other connections. So as much as it hurts, uh, I do think there's, there is a ton of value in going out there to the, you know, most meaningful events, which that's not all of them, but like, where are the forward, forward thinking people hanging out? Cause if you can just get in the room, like that's what you need to do is like find the right room to get into and, and just listen, you may not have anything to contribute, but just being there is going to take you to a better place. I like that attitude. And that would serve accountants well, that are not the most socially advanced of people putting them in a box. But I, I totally get that. Do you have a, a go-to networking question or let's say you're in a room like that of those smart people. Is there something that trips off your tongue that will get the oil, get the engine going, if you like? Oil the wheels of the conversation is what I'm trying to say. It's usually pretty easy for people to talk about themselves and like what's working and what's not working. So it's for me, it's usually just as simple as what do you do? Like, and what's the best part of that and the worst part of that? Um, and if nothing else, I'll probably get a couple ideas that I can steal. Uh, but you learn about them. And, you know, I think for a lot of us, what we do can be a really isolating thing because we come home and, you know, your partner and the family and, and the people you see every day, they don't really understand the ins and outs of what you do. But to go to a room where everybody has a really intimate understanding of, of the things you deal with every day and the things that clients expect of you and that silly bit of regulation that you're struggling with now. To, to be in community with a bunch of people that just have a deep understanding of that. The conversation in my experience, and I'm not a guy that will just chat up random people, the conversation is actually 
pretty easy once you get into uh, the type of work that you do and and kind of what those shared pain points are. I want to dip back to what you said was on the priority list for accounting firms alongside the tech and the talent, which is the who you are and what we do. I was corrected in a podcast interview with a very smart lady, Katie Best. I'll put the link in the show notes for our listeners about I thought the number one reason why people left a job was a bad boss, bad manager. But she corrected me and she said, the number one reason they leave is they don't feel they're part of the story. There's not a vision. There's not something bigger that they're buying into that they feel an integral part of. That's the biggest reason why people leave. What's your take on that? Um, As with everything, it's probably both. If my boss keeps making me work till midnight every night and I've got to get up and take the kids to school at six in the morning, I might quit because of that. But you've probably not got one boss, have you? These days, you've got a lot of bosses across a number of different service lines to look after one client that might be in your portfolio. So you could maybe get away with one bad boss if you're answerable to some others. Maybe. I, I mean, I think it's probably all the above. And it depends on your role, too. Um it's, 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 you can't have, you can't have just one of those things, right? Like if you've got crappy managers that are running people off, you can't have that. If you don't have a vision, then people aren't going to join you in the first place. People aren't going to feel like they're doing something of value and probably go to private or go to a nonprofit or something like that, where it feels like you're doing something more tangible. So you have to have all the above. I think you could absolutely, you know, if you got a whole bunch of holes in the ship, those are probably the two biggest ones. Um, but it's, yeah, it's worth thinking about all those things. In the talent war and the fight for extra capacity. It's not just about hiring. What's your views on outsourcing, offshoring, that kind of stuff, Jason? Yeah, I mean, the, the hiring issues are, are causing people to challenge some old assumptions, which is great. Lean more into tech, learn, lean more into outsourcing where they, they never would have in the past. I think there's never been a better time to diversify how you get the work done from traditional employment part-time and full-time to contractors, to contract groups where you're buying, you know, the tax return or the financial statement, not buying hours from a contractor. I think the more diversified you are across those things, the more you are protected from somebody leaving unexpectedly. Or, you know, I was talking with a, a firm the other day. I do these kind of like roasts on my YouTube channel of like, you know, giving advice to anonymous firms who share some information about themselves. They had somebody leave. They had, they had two and a half staff. Uh, and somebody left right before their busiest season. And it was like, what do I do? And for a firm in that position, if you're a solo operator, or you're just making your first couple of hires, if you hire somebody full-time, that's a massive amount of risk. You know, that you're, you're relying on that people, that person, because if they leave, obviously there goes, you know, upwards of half your capacity, as opposed to, I'm actually gonna get the work done, you know, maybe three different ways. Maybe I can get a part-time person to come in, though that's admittedly hard. Maybe there's a part-time contractor there. Maybe there's a contract group. I know firms that work with three or four contract groups. Because there's always going to be top performers and underperformers. You're going to have a quarter of them that don't end up contributing at all because something goes sideways. But that more diversified fractional approach, you're going to pay a bit of a premium for it. And longer term, the more profitable thing to do is to, is to bring people in-house. But the notion of distributing the work of that one person that left across a 100-person firm is very different than across, you know, a two or three person. So as hiring gets more difficult, I do think, you know, people need to kind of get over the the pearl clutching that comes with offshoring and the concerns there. But it is pushing people, I think, to get more creative about solving that problem. There you go. Creative accountants, two words that shouldn't go together, but actually do. <laughs> and and they're, they're being forced to be more creative than ever, which I think is great. Absolutely. And innovation is not necessarily a word we associate with, with accounting types, but Yes, in today's complex environment, the VUCA world, you've come across that phrase, I'm sure, that volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity, VUCA, it's just been 10x by 
the COVID pandemic. So firms that can navigate that by being nimble and agile. And goodness, that's the problem, isn't it? Because accountancy has been ever thus for hundreds and thousands of years, probably. So they're not well known for their ability to pivot on a dime. Yeah, I mean, I think really ever since the transition to the cloud, it's put the accountants in the center of the business. They're kind of the ultimate operators. You know, your first CRM is usually the, the accounting system. There's so many things that go through that you've got your fingers and all the data more than anybody else. And so we're, we're, we're really in the driver's seat to, you know, do mean, really meaningful things for those companies. You come across Jason as somebody that's very much in the here and now you take hold of something, you run with it. Are you a crystal ball kind of guy? If I were to ask you what's coming up over the next few years for the accounting world, would you have a view on that? Yeah, to a degree. I mean, as much as anyone can, right? I mean, we can, we, we can all speculate, but I do think the more you're plugged into the here and the now, the probably the better crystal ball you've got. Is it possible to future-proof an accounting firm? Future-proof, I think, is too binary, but you can definitely de-risk it. It's a, it's a big spectrum. And so, for example, diversifying the way that you hire, the way that you get work done, you're going to be much more future-proof than you would have been otherwise. Plugging into, you know, my newsletter talks a lot about AI. Like, not covering your eyes to that stuff and paying attention to it, uh, it's going to reduce the risk of of that. So, it's not like a, it's, it's probably not a yes or no, but but it's absolutely something that everyone should be trying to do everything they can surrounding, you know. And in terms of social media, you're certainly unusual in your approach in that you're ubiquitous. You're on a lot of platforms as an accountant. Not all accountants are comfortable, not just with being on social media for business purposes, but, but putting content out there on social media. So how is that going to change the game, do you feel? I think I had a, I had a joke in the video that went out last Sunday that uh, the moment Al Gore flipped the switch on the internet, we all had a distribution problem overnight. So our bottleneck, you know, the way that we run accounting practices largely hasn't changed since social media. Um, and now it's really skewed. What is the highest leverage use of your time? Is it doing that one-to-one -one work, solving that one person's problem? Or is it putting out content that will find that person out there who the problem that you solve for is 10 times as painful as anyone on your client list right now? So we have an unbelievable amount of reach right now. And what everybody does is what you just described. You know, I'm the exception. I'm ubiquitous. I'm on all these platforms. I didn't start that way. You know, we're all trained scrolling an algorithm of people who are prolific at all of these different things, who have spent years and years and years doing it. And that's all we ever see. You didn't see those people when they were doing those things really, really poorly because the algorithm isn't going to put that in front of you, right? So you have to have the courage to start doing a very specific thing really badly. Uh, that's how it starts. Build a habit around, you know, around that realization that, you know, if I, if I actually just started sending a monthly newsletter to my clients to communicate the things that they all want to know, that would save me from having a bunch of one-on-one -on -one conversations, wouldn't it? Just start there. Really simple and easy. You're going to, you're going to give value to your clients in a higher leverage way. And you're going to learn about that stuff along the way, which is maybe the most important thing is what is that next thing that it will then enable? So I, I don't think we talk about leverage enough and how to get out of the trap of just doing one-to-one -one work all day long. Um, so yeah, get strategic about it, get, get intentional about it, which we're not great about doing because usually we're just solving other people's problems. But like, what is that high leverage skill you could start developing today? And how can you build a habit around it and just have the courage to start doing it really badly? Yeah, I love that. I like the idea of playing the long game as well. A couple more quick questions, Jason. This is excellent. What skills and attributes do you feel the modern day accountant needs to stay relevant and competitive? Uh, phenomenal written communication and more than ever soon, the ability to emotionally connect with people over video. Uh, the in-person meetings, 
I think 75% of those just went away for good. Even people across town, you're now meeting with people on Zoom and it's it's a learned skill to be able to do that with people over video. It also changes how you run your firm if you can if you can manage your team in a meaningful way there. But a written communication has never been more important as that meeting is now an email um, and it's just going to keep trending that way. But also as you know, the amount of text that is pumped out into the universe every day right now is compounding in a massive way. Thanks to AI, it's probably the very worst aspect of AI. That text and knowing what's real and knowing what's not real will put a premium on seeing a face on screen and being able to emotionally connect with someone. So that's going to become an even more valuable skill. The great answers. Last question. In the talent world, most firms that are growing are running at five, 10% open vacancies as a percentage of headcount. So they need those hires to hit their growth targets. What advice would you give to accounting firms to be the employer of choice and strengthen their employer brand in today's competitive world of talent? The very worst thing you can do is be over capacity. I mean, that's that the people that you have just pay the price for that and it perpetuates the problem. So stop taking on work for capacity that you don't have yet. Uh, stop thinking about growth as a top line metric. Instead, think of it as a bottom line metric. How can you churn through the people that you have to find people that are even better and more profitable than the clients that you have today? My last two and a half years in practice were spent shrinking the practice, but growing its profitability. So getting over the vanity metrics of, ooh, how do I get from 3 million to 4 million? And like all that stuff doesn't matter. And at the end of the day, it's probably your team that's gonna pay the price for it which is gonna perpetuate that, that hiring and staffing issue. So challenge the assumption that you need to grow, get more specific about the people that you'll help. And above all else, if what you're doing is, is happening at the expense of the people that you have, it's gonna cost you in the long run. Jason Stats, inspiring and straight talking. Thanks so much for your time today. We've enjoyed that. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. 